Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. Luke chapter number 11. I want to talk to you about prayer tonight for just a few moments. And uh, I believe with all of my heart that people need to pray more and more earnestly to the Lord. I can honestly say that I do not pray as much as I should. I do not spend as much time alone with God as I need to. I ought to be spending the best part of the morning hours alone with God and communion with God and praying and seeking the Lord's will for my life and the direction of this church. And I confess tonight that I do not pray as much as I should. I do pray, but not as much as I should. Now, there have been times in my life uh, when I have really felt like that I had really gotten through to the Lord. You know, I'm going to confess to you tonight that every time I pray, now I know that God hears me, and I know that God answers my prayers. I've seen evidence of that down over the past 25 years of my life and in my ministry. I've seen God do some great and wonderful things. I've seen God answer prayer right here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Friend, do you know, no, you, you really don't know until you've had to stand up here uh, on this side of the platform over here and uh, preach to about 25 to 30 people in a large auditorium such as this is right here, it gets rather depressing. I remember we worked on it a section at a time. You remember that? We prayed God would help us in the, over here and then in here and then in here, and God's still helping us over in this section over here. Got a long way to go over there, but the Lord has blessed and I thank God that he has answered our prayers. And we see a lot of people here tonight that um, uh, haven't been here in days gone by. And it's a joy to know the presence of the Lord and, and that he answers our prayers. But I confess to you that every time I pray, I don't always get up off my knees or get up from a sitting position. It's hard for me to kneel because <clears throat> I have some problems with my knees, but it's awful hard for me to get up and walk away from there knowing <clears throat> that I have really and truly uh, uh, got through to God and, and, and I've, I've been conversing with the Lord and in the presence of the Lord. So many times we pray just simply out of a, a form that we meet together for prayer and we we begin our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for all the blessings we have. We go down the line, we pray for our Sunday school, our Sunday school teachers, we pray for our missionaries, we pray for our pastor, we pray for our deacons, we pray for our family, we pray for our needs, we pray for our country, we pray for uh, so many things. And there's nothing wrong with this. I'm saying to you tonight that God wants us to do that. You ought to have a prayer list made up. Now, my prayer list, of course, 
for me is my Rolodex that I have on my desk. And I, I have all of your names on there, and I just flip through it, and I, I look at your name. You say, Brother Bill, you pray with your eyes open? Yeah, I pray with my eyes open. I just sit there and look at those names and flip them back and forth. And I say, Dear God, bless Brother Jimmy today. Let him sell about a $300,000 home so he'd have a big tithe for Sunday. And I, I, I just go through, you know, I, no, I'm kidding you, but I, I pray earnestly for the people here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. I have right behind the, the people in our church, I have a list of all my preacher friends that I go through and I pray for them. And um, I thank the Lord for this. And God wants us to pray like this. But there are certain times in our lives when we really, really down deep in our heart, we need God and no one else can help us. I've had some experiences like that. I remember praying for my wife. I've told you about this, uh, but I remember praying for her one day in a hospital, just leaning my head up against the wall uh, out in the hallway. I thought she was dying. Miss Burr, I didn't think I'd ever see you again. I mean that. Not in this life. I thought she was getting ready to check out. I mean, she, listen, she got uh, lost all of her color. Blood pressure fell to, I think, uh, maybe 30 over 10 or something like that. I mean, it was real low. I mean, she was just about gone. I, the, her compression had fallen on her engine, and she was just about to leave here. And I stepped out in the hall, and I prayed, and I said, Dear God, uh, help me. That's all I could say. Just help me, dear God. And God did help me, and God brought her through that. I've seen other times when I... I saw my daughter go into the emergency room one day, and I never expected to see her alive again. Patsy and I stood across uh, from each other and held hands and prayed uh, uh, for Mary Beth. I prayed uh, many times when I knew that I'd gotten through to God. I prayed one night on the 17th floor of the Medical College of Virginia, uh, uh, the building there. They had a little chapel up there in the top of that hospital. And I made my way there. My daughter was in the emergency room, and they had told me that unless she uh, showed some signs of response, she was in a coma. She couldn't respond to, uh, to anything, even needles and pins that they stuck into her feet, and she had no response at all. And they told me that unless she responded in just uh, maybe 10 or 15 minutes, they'd have to put her on some kind of life support system and hook her up to all the machines and apparatuses in there in the emergency room. I slipped away and a friend of mine, Brother Ernie School, we found our way up to the 17th floor in that hospital. And I knelt there and I couldn't pray, Brother Frank. I couldn't get the words out. My I was so heavy inside of me, the burden was so heavy that I remember I just hung my head down and I began to weep before the Lord. And I, I, you know, Romans 8 talks about with groanings that cannot be uttered. And I, I remember I couldn't get the words out, but I simply just stood, just knelt there and, and I, I would uh, just groan before the Lord down deep in agony in my soul and praying for my loved one. And right in the midst of it, right in the midst of the prayer, it seemed as if all heaven opened up for me and and uh, I'm not saying I saw any blinding lights or heard any sirens or anything like that. And God didn't shake me on the shoulder. And I didn't, didn't hear any audible voice from God. But I'll tell you what did happen. I mean, a sweet and perfect peace came over my soul and in that room. And, and I'm telling you, the presence of the Lord came and dwelt with us there in that room. And I knew everything was all right. I immediately got up off my knees 
and off my face, not my knees. I was prostrate on my stomach, on my face before God. And I got up and told Brother Schools, I said, come on, let's go back downstairs. Everything's all right. And I got back on the elevator. And when I got back on the elevator, the doctor, one of the attendants was getting off and was looking for us to convey the message to us that everything was all right. But I want to confess to you tonight that those times, those seasons of prayer in my life have been very few. Oh, I wish there were more. I wish there were more. But I, I'm trying to confess to you tonight in the best way that I know how that I don't pray as much as I should, and we all need to pray more. Now, I want you to look in Luke chapter 11 <coughs> and verse number 1, and uh, it says, would you stand with me, please, and let's read this verse together tonight. <laughs> <clears throat> and please pray for me tonight. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples came unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now, uh, let's read it again. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, Teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Our Father, we pray that you might bless tonight, Lord, during the next few moments together. I pray, dear God, that you'd speak to hearts and cause us, dear Father, to lean upon you tonight. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. Would you be seated now? Of all the Bible subjects that you can pick, I think prayer is probably the best known for having sermons preached about it. I guess there have been more poems and sermons and books and so forth written on prayer than any other subject in the Word of God. I confess to you tonight that whenever I've preached on prayer, when I got down to the close of the uh, message on prayer, I've had a better response at the invitation time from the children of God concerning prayer than on any other subject that I've ever preached on. And then I can also say this, if I ask people about praying, I think if you went out on the street tonight and you ask people, do you ever pray, I think you'd get the response that yes, I do pray. Now more people pray or try to pray than anything else. More people try to pray than they do attend church. More people try to pray than they do to win souls. And uh, more people try to pray than do uh, tithe, you know. So I'm saying that uh, prayer is important to people. And the disciples, they came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Without any hesitation whatsoever, Jesus began in verse number 2, and he gave them the so-called Lord's Prayer. Now, uh, you know what I'm talking about, but I think you'll find the Lord's Prayer in John chapter number 17. This, I think, would be a model prayer that Jesus is giving to these disciples here. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. 
Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Now, I after presenting uh, uh, this model prayer, then uh, he gives them a, a parable beginning in verse number five, and he says this, he says, suppose a friend should come to you, and I'm not going to read that scripture, but suppose a friend would come to you, and it says that he's been in a journey, and uh, you have, uh, the, the, the man has nothing to set before him, and so he comes over to you, and he knocks on uh, your door, and ask you to lend him some bread to set before the person that has come to see him. And then he tells him that um, the fellow said, I'm already in bed. I can't get up and give you. And then uh, uh, he said that he keeps on knocking and knocking and knocking and asking and asking until finally he gets up and gives them, uh, gives a man the bread. And then after he gives him uh, uh, them this parable, he turns around then and gives these two verses of Scripture. He says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now, Dr. C.I. Schofield says, uh, gives this in his commentary that this is a central uh, uh, passage of Scripture here in the New Testament on the subject of prayer. And he talks about a relationship. Now, it, it's a relationship between uh, a father and his children. It, it's a relationship where a child comes before um, uh, an all-wise, all-loving, all-powerful God. And then secondly, it's called the Lord's Prayer. Christ, Christ gives uh, the model of a prayer here to his disciples. And thirdly, Dr. Schofield points out that through the parable of Luke 11, that prayer is to be definite. I mean, you're to ask for a certain thing and a specific thing that you request from God. And then again, he says in this parable, uh, he shows that prayers to be importunate. That is, that uh, you're not to give up. You're not to turn aside because of so many delays that come your way. You're to keep on knocking and you're to keep on going before God and asking until you get the answer. Now, a lot of people quit praying before uh, they don't even give God time enough to answer their prayers. They just turn aside and give up. I'm trying to say to you tonight that Jesus Christ was teaching us that prayer is just like a child coming to a father and asking from that father, from that all-wise, all-loving, all-sufficient God to supply his needs. And then he's teaching us that we ought to be definite about what we ask. We ought to be uh, keep on. I mean, when delays come our way, don't turn aside. Now, I know that I, I've heard uh, Brother A.G. Walt make a statement here one time from this pulpit uh, that it's not important how to pray, it's just important to pray. Now, I agree with that. The Lord said, or the disciples came and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, but I want you to know this also. A lot of people 
just don't know how to come before the Lord and don't know how to pray. You'd be surprised at how many people sitting in this room tonight have never uttered a prayer in public. They just never have done it. They just don't know how to get before God and pour their heart out to Him. Now I want to give you some things tonight, nothing new, nothing new in this message at all that I'm going to give you, but I think it will help you if you'll use these things tonight in your prayer life. Number one, I think that we ought to pray with the assurance that we're saved. Amen. Now, I want you to know this. The Bible talks about God not hearing sinners. And I've heard people stand up before and say that God does not hear a lost sinner. I disagree with you. I believe God hears everything. Amen. I believe God hears the prayers that come up before him. You say, well, Brother Bill, he doesn't hear sinners. I point out to you uh, Cornelius. Cornelius was a lost man, and the Bible says that his prayers came up as a memorial before God. God undoubtedly heard the prayers of Cornelius, a lost man. I point out the fact of those that were on the uh, vessel with Jonah. There's no doubt that God heard the prayers of those men on the vessel there with Jonah. Now, I will say this. God has a peculiar relationship with saved people. They're his children. Now, if the little fellow living down the street were to come to my house and say, Brother Bill, I have a need, and I want you, if you will, will you buy my school clothes for me this coming September? Now, I may do that, or I may not do that, I'm trying to, to get across to you tonight that I'm not obligated to buy his school clothes for him. I'm obligated to buy the school clothes for Mary Beth. I'm obligated to buy clothes for Billy. They are my children, you see, and we have a peculiar relationship together. Now, God may hear the prayer of a lost man, but he's not obligated, Brother Frank, to answer that prayer because that lost man is of his father, the devil, you see. Doesn't belong to God in a father and son relationship. So I'm saying to you tonight, in your prayer life, I believe that you must know Christ as your Savior in order to get God obligated to you to provide your needs and satisfy the needs of your life. Then secondly, I believe this. I believe you ought to believe the Word of God. Amen. Now, I believe you ought to believe in the infallibility of this Word right here. I believe you ought to believe in the inerrancy of this Word right here. I believe with all of my heart that every word in this Bible comes from Almighty God. I don't believe there's any mistakes in it. I don't believe there's any errors in it. I don't believe it can be added to. I don't believe you can take away from it. I just simply accept it as the inspired Word of God. So I'm saying to you tonight, believe the Word of God. Paul wrote this to Timothy and he said, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus, 
All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Now, I'm trying to tell you, believe the Word of God. There are over 30,000 promises in this book right here. Now, whenever I get a little bit discouraged, I just simply go to the Word of God and I believe that God takes this book here and speaks to my heart through this written Word. Now, I believe with all of my heart that we just claim the promises of God's Word. I heard about a church. I heard about a church in a town that a peculiar relationship in the town. Brother Jerry, they didn't have any... Uh, it was a clean town, and they didn't have any honky-tonks or bar rooms or dens of iniquity. And uh, then after about several years, there was a, uh, a place moved into town, and, and, and a bar came into town. And so the church met together, and they decided that they, uh, they'd pray that God would destroy that place and take it out from their midst. And sure enough, God sent a thunderstorm one night and lightning struck the building and burned it to the ground. Now the owner of the building knew that the church had been praying that he would be put out of business and that God would destroy his business. So believe it or not, the owner hired him a lawyer and brought a suit against the church for praying that God would destroy the man's business. Now, you know what the church did? The church in turn turned around and hired them a lawyer and denied the fact that God had responded to their prayer. After all of the hearings were passed and after all of the testimony had come in, this is what the judge said. He said it is the opinion of this court that wherever the guilt may lie, the tavern owner is the one who really believes in prayer while the church members do not. Now you may laugh a little bit at that and it is quite funny. But you know there's cases in the Bible just like that. You remember the story of Peter? Huh? I mean, very vividly. I, uh, in the book of Acts, you remember? Uh, in Acts chapter 12, Peter got placed in prison. And the church got together. And uh, uh, they, they prayed that pre Peter would uh, be able to get out of the jailhouse. And you remember how God miraculously... Uh, delivered Peter and brought him out of the jailhouse. He went down and uh, he knocked on the door and there was one little girl by the name of Rhoda that went there to answer the door and Peter in his own voice spoke to her and uh, she uh, she went back inside and she said, uh, Peter's out there. Now I want you to get a picture of this. Here's the church inside on their knees and praying and agonizing before God and saying, Oh God, deliver our preacher out of jail. Oh God, we pray that you'd bring Peter back to us out of the jailhouse. And the little girl named Rhoda went in and shook the, the deacon <laughs> and shook the man or the woman there on the shoulder 
and said to them, listen, Peter is outside the door. You know what they said? They said, you're mad. You're out of your mind. It can't be Peter. Peter's in the jailhouse. It's just his angel standing out there. Well, after a little while, Peter kept on knocking. After a little while, they went back out and let him in. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that they were astonished. They were astonished. Listen, we laugh about that church, but I want you to know right now that there's instances in the Bible where people just pray and don't really believe that God is going to hear and answer their prayers. All right, now, we must know that we're saved. We must believe the Word of God. And then we have to be persistent. We have to be persistent. We have to just keep on and not give up. George Mueller. How many have ever read the, uh, the biography of George Mueller? Anybody ever read that? Mary Beth. You ought, to, you ought to read that. It's a good book, isn't it, Mary Beth? It talks about how he prayed in, uh, I think, for over 2,000 orphans. Isn't that right? I think about 2,000 orphans that he prayed for and brought in the food for them, and their needs were supplied simply because that man of God got on his face and prayed. Now, he didn't tell anybody about what he's praying about. Isn't that strange? I mean, if I needed $1,000, I'd make sure that Pastor knew about it. I'd say, now, Pastor, I want you to pray that I need $1,000, and I want you to know about it, and you pray for me that I might get it. I'd let Lee Cato know about it, because Lee works at the bank, and I'd say, now, Brother Lee, I need $1,000, and I want you to pray that God might help me to get it. We have a real need. I'd let Bill Cassidy know about it. He looks like he's prosperous, and I'd say, now, I need $1,000. But George Mueller didn't do that. No, he got along with God in his prayer closet and poured his heart out to God and then just waited on God to answer his prayer. George Mueller prayed for the salvation of two men for over 50 years. I think that's right, over 50 years. He prayed for the salvation of two of his friends. George Mueller died and those men were still unsaved. And after his death, within uh, a few months' time, these men had come to know Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. So I'm saying, even if you don't see an answer, even if the answer is not what you think it ought to be, just keep on praying, just keep on asking, just keep on knocking, don't quit, just keep going back and saying, Lord, 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 Lord. I need this. The Bible teaches that God will give you what you ask for. Amen. Now, we ought to pray in His name. Amen. I told you it wouldn't be anything new. I haven't given you anything new tonight. I'm just trying to refresh your memory a little bit for you. Pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It gives meaning to your prayer. Listen, Jesus died for our sins. Amen. He hung on the cross and paid our sin debt at Calvary and His name means much to me. And I know that God the Father loves His Son and God gave His Son to die in my place. And if I go to the Father in the name of the Son, I'm sure that the Father will grant it because of His Son. I know that. And then secondly, He commands us to pray in His name. The Bible says... If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. 
Now, brother, that's a pretty broad statement, isn't it? How many of you really believe that? Let me see your hand back. Huh? I do too, but we're a little bit like that fellow that said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Huh? We're a little bit like that fellow that said, look here, I prayed all night and that mountain's still there, you know, I, just like I, I knew it would be. Now, that's the way we are. But here's a broad statement. I mean, listen, Jesus Christ said this. God's Son said this. He said, if ye ask anything in my name. Now, of course, we know there's some qualifications on that compared with other scriptures. We know that the Bible teaches us we have to pray with a clean heart. Amen. I mean, you can't come to God and ask anything in the name of Jesus when you won't confess your, your vile sins to him. You won't get things right with God. And then we'll pray according to his will. Amen. I mean, you, God's not going to give you anything outside of his will. He doesn't want that for you. But if you meet those qualifications, bless your heart. He said, if ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. And then he says, and in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto, if you ask nothing in my name, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. You know what R.A. Torrey said? R.A. Torrey, great preacher, said, to pray in the name of Jesus is not only to use his name at the end of the prayer, but it is to pray in the mind and spirit of Jesus while we believe his promises, rely upon his grace, and work his works. I'm saying to you tonight, praying in the name of Jesus involves living for Jesus. It involves knowing the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ and praying in his will for your life. Then, of course, we ought to pray for our needs. Amen. I have needs tonight. How many of you have needs? Boy, I do. I have, I have just lots of needs tonight. Uh, one of my needs is guidance. I need to know where I'm going. You say, well, I'm going to go to work in the morning. I know where I'm going. Well, you've got to live in God's will, too. And so many, especially young people, miss God's will for their lives. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know about some folk that get all excited and get in love and jump up and get married sometimes without praying much about it. I believe folk ought to pray about a life's mate. Amen. Now, I didn't pray. I wasn't saved. And Miss Burr, she just fell madly in love with me, and and uh, I swept her off her feet. I hadn't always been over 300 pounds, and I hadn't always been bald-headed and so forth. And uh, I just came along, and with all of my charm and debonair way, I swept her right off her feet, and uh, she asked me to marry her right away, and I said that I would. No, I'm kidding a little bit, but I... I'm saying, listen, when you, when you become involved, young people, remember to pray for guidance. Don't jump out and do things on the spur of the moment. You may be in for heartaches untold. I mean, when you get outside of God's will. So seek God's guidance. Now, secondly, we ought to pray for the supply 
of our needs, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to know this. Sometimes our needs, now listen to me, sometimes our needs are more than the light bill. Sometimes our needs are a lot more than just the house rent or the house payment. Sometimes our needs are greater than just the everyday pressures of life. Sometimes we need for the, the death angel to visit in our midst. Sometimes we need for, for sorrow to come upon us. Sometimes we need to be down in the valley and go through discouragement and, and financial reversals and so forth. We need some of these things to come on us sometime so that we would be, be the right kind of vessel and fit for the master's use. We better be careful when you pray and say, Dear God, take care of all my needs. You say, Brother Bill, do you really think that you needed what happened to you this past week? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I needed that. I can now sympathize with people when they come to me and say, Preacher, I've got a problem. My daughter or my son is having some real marital problems and so forth. You see, that has struck down home to my family now. I talked to Donna this afternoon. She's doing much better. And I think things will work out. I'm a little bit more optimistic about it than Ms. Burry is. And uh, she says uh, she doesn't know whether it'll work out or not, but if she could get her hands on him, then it would really... No, I, I'm just saying to you, listen, I, I believe with all of my heart today that I needed this thing that came upon me. You need every heartache. You need every discouragement. You need every sorrow. You need everything that comes into your life because it makes you a better child of God and you're better prepared to serve Him. And then, not only should we pray for our need, pray for peace of heart and contentment. Amen. I believe with all of my heart tonight that the happiest people in the world are saved people. And the happiest saved people in the world are those who are living for God in God's will and they have perfect peace in their heart. Amen. Now, I don't worry. I heard on television today on channel number 11, channel 9 out here, they were talking about nuclear bombs and warfare. And boy, they're talking about what a disaster it would be. Sure, it'd be a disaster. But I want you to know, I don't worry about things like that. I've often said that if they drop one here, I want them to drop it dead center, right in the middle of my chimney out there, because I don't like to suffer. I don't want that thing to drop 500 miles away from me and me have to be treated with uh, for radiation burns and all this. No, man, I just want to go on off and be with the Lord Jesus. I don't worry about things like that. I have happiness and peace and, and contentment down in my heart. The other day when I stood back in the back of that air terminal and I, I saw my daughter fly off in that big eastern airline jet and I 
waving goodbye to her. I was sad in my heart and I felt like that, uh, that, that everything was crumbling around me. Uh, uh, although down deep inside of me, I had the joy of the Lord and I knew that ultimately everything was going to work out for His honor and His glory. You know why? Because I'm saved. We know why? Because I know Donna, my daughter's saved. And no matter what happens, one day we'll be happy with Jesus for eternity. And I, I thank God for that. I just don't worry about those things. So I'm saying to you, you ought to pray for God to give you peace. Paul's answer to the matter of worry is just prayer. Amen. You know what? Be careful for nothing. Amen. Now, think about this. There's beauty to prayer. Amen. Peace, contentment, serenity. But also I want you to know there's a battlefield to prayer. Listen, the devil doesn't want you to pray. The devil doesn't want you to come before God and, and the devil knows that... Uh, uh, a saint on his or her knees, listen, they, they're more powerful than all the armies of this world as far as Satan is concerned because the spirit that lives within us is greater than the spirit that's in the world. And so I'm saying to you, Satan will battle you. Satan will cause things to hinder you and come up at your prayer time. Listen, you ought to discipline yourself to make sure that you spend time alone with God every day in prayer. Sometime during the day you ought to pray. The devil will battle you on that thing. And then you ought to pray for others. Amen. Pray for your family. You ought to pray for fellow Christians. I uh, Over in the book of Romans, would you turn there please? Romans chapter number 16. <laughs> Paul prayed for others. In Romans chapter number 16, he begins to just list a number of people. I don't have time to, to uh, call them all, but he talks about uh, Mary, Andronicus, Junior, and uh, he talks about Amplius and Urbane, Stichus. He talks about Apelles. He talks about Aristopulus. He talks about Herodian. He goes on and listens, uh, just lists them one after the other. And I believe that Paul prayed for these. If you study your Bible, you'll see that Abraham prayed for others. You remember when, pray, uh, when he prayed for Lot? You remember how Abraham stood and prayed for Lot? You'll find out that Moses prayed and Daniel prayed. And, and I think you ought to pray uh, for others. And then finally, I think you ought to pray for those that are lost. Amen. You ought, to, you ought to pray that God would help you to be concerned about people that are lost. A man by the name of George Whitfield prayed and said, Oh Lord, give me souls or take my soul. Isn't that something? The apostle Paul wrote and said that he could wish himself accursed for his brethren. And then a man by the name of Henry Martin went to India, great missionary. You ought to read about Henry Martin. You know what he said? He said, here, let me burn out for God. Amen. I don't want to rust out. I don't want to retire. I mean, I want to burn out for Jesus Christ. man by the name of D.L. Moody said this, Use me then, my Savior, for whatever purpose and in whatever way thou mayest require. Here's my poor heart, an empty vessel. Fill it with thy grace. Martin Luther, listen. You need God when you're going to stand before the forces of the wicked one the night before he appeared before the Diet of Worms. 
He said this, Do thou, my God, stand by against all the world's wisdom and reason. Oh, do it. Thou must do it. Stand by me, thou true eternal God. I'm saying to you, we need to pray that God would make us concerned about lost people.